0: Amen. So, Gus has actually kind of, you know, God calls people in the church to step up into different roles of leadership. One of the roles that Gus has said yes to is he is actually going to coordinate short-term mission trips to other places outside of L.A. and U.S., uh, this one is a highly sensitive one, but he's going to throughout this year, the next year, is going to be going down to certain places in Mexico, uh, DR, you know, different, different places. And there's going to be times when certain of you will be able to have an opportunity to go with him, uh, to be able to learn from him and to be a part of that work. Uh, and so if it's something that you're interested in, uh, just let myself, Pastor Dave, know, and we'll kind of let you know just what the process is like to prepare yourself for something like that as a trip. So we're really grateful for Gus kind of keeping our eyes not just focused on our own issues, but all over the world. Amen? All right. Well, the scripture for today is, uh, comes out of 1 Kings chapter 19, and uh, if uh, you are able, would you please stand to honor the reading of God's word? When Ahab got home, he told Jezebel everything Elijah had done, including the way he had killed all the prophets of Baal. So Jezebel sent this message to Elijah, may the gods strike me and even kill me if by this time tomorrow I have not killed you just as you killed them. Elijah was afraid and fled for his life. He went to Beersheba, a town in Judah, and he left his servant there. Then he went on alone into the wilderness, traveling all day. He sat down under a solitary broom tree and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life, for I'm no better than my ancestors who've already died. Then he lay down and slept under the broom tree. But as he was sleeping, an angel touched him and told him, get up and eat. He looked around, and there beside his head was some bread baked on hot stones and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. Then the angel of the Lord came again and touched him and said, get up and eat some more, or the journey ahead will be too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank, and the food gave him enough strength to travel 40 days and 40 nights to Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. There he came to a cave where he spent the night. But the Lord said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? Elijah replied, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, torn down your altars, and killed every one of your prophets. I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. Go out and stand before me on the mountain, the Lord told him. And as Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by, and a mighty wind hit the mountain. It was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose, but the Lord was not in the mountain. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was the sound of a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And a voice said, "'What are you doing here, Elijah?' He replied again, "'I've zealously served the Lord God Almighty, "'but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, "'torn down your altars, and killed every one of your prophets. "'I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too.' "'Then the Lord told him, "'Go back the same way you came and travel to the wilderness of Damascus. "'When you arrive there, anoint Hazel to be the king of Aram. "'Then anoint Jehu, grandson of Nimshi, to be king of Israel, "'and anoint Elijah, son of Shapat, from the town of Abel-Meloha, "'to replace you as my prophet.' Anyone who escapes from Hazel will be killed by Jehu, and those who escape Jehu will be killed by Elisha. Yet I will preserve 7,000 others in Israel who have never bowed down to Baal or kissed him. Lord Jesus, thank you for your word. We declare that these words that were just read are more than just words on a page or a screen. They are your words given to us with your spirit that we would know you that we would understand you, that we could have right relationship with you. So come and speak through these words. Help us today. We need you, Lord Jesus. We pray this in your name. And all God's people said, amen. You can have a seat. Well, if you have been with us, you know that we are currently talking about how do we live in the spiritual realm? How do we live with the Spirit of God? See, we understand that we live in at least two dimensions of reality. There's the physical reality, what we can see, taste, touch, right? But then there is this spiritual reality. Now, there's like a film between us and the spiritual reality. It's, It's fuzzy. It's hard to see. It's hard to understand. But almost all of us can testify. We've had moments in our life when all of a sudden that film has gotten really thin and we're like, God is in the room. Or sometimes it's evils in the room. And we're, we're more connected to the spiritual reality. Well, we learned uh, last week that Jesus is very unique in how he helps us live regularly in the spiritual realm. We learned that he is unique. He actually takes the initiative to come to us to break through that film so that we could experience the knowledge of God. See, we are not to just have Mental knowledge of God. We're not just read our Bibles and know it. The Bible is given to us that we would know how to know Jesus, experience his love, experience his power, experience his strength. How many of you would love it if you could magnify the amount of time 10 times more that you experience the love and the power of God? I mean, that's that should be an easy question. Amen, right? We what we learn is that through Jesus, we we don't have to. Earn it, we have to just put ourselves in a place to just receive Him breaking through that film. That is the life with Jesus, and only He can offer that. So today we have a wonderfully rich account of Scripture that's going to help us live more spiritual lives, experiencing more of the constant and fluid movements of Jesus breaking through that film. I'm not going to be able to share all the gold in this passage that I just read. But what we are going to discover together could fundamentally change your spiritual lives. We're picking up this story in mid-tension. Elijah, the prophet of God, is running for his life. See, just a moment earlier, he thought he would be celebrating with his ethnic people victory for God. His country had completely fallen apart because of corrupt and oppressive leadership from King Ahab and Queen Jezebel. Jezebel. You hear that name? That's not a good name, okay? The country was worshiping the false God of Baal, and so Elijah had a plan. He creates this spiritual smackdown, the true God versus Baal. And I mean, the true God just rains fire down from heaven and destroys all the altars of Baal. And Elijah thinks, finally, there's pandemonium, right? And he's like, finally, the people are waking up. They're going to step up They're going to overthrow these oppressive rulers and turn the country back to God. So he takes off from the the place where the spiritual smackdown happened, and he's running to the capital city, right, to see the overthrow. And he arrives expecting to celebrate, but then he gets to the city, and the queen has doubled down. Even though her God got destroyed and embarrassed, she declares that she will have Elijah killed within 24 hours. It's either his life or her life, she's saying, Nobody will stand against her. Fear is still gripping the city, and so Elijah has to completely book it out to the desert. And that's where we pick up our story here today. We pick up our story. Elijah has lost all hope when he falls down under the tree and he sleeps. His purpose for living has been shattered. His dreams and his plans have been destroyed. He had a plan. Bring the power of God, and the people would respond. The power came and they didn't respond, and oh my gosh, does that narrative happen all the time. God's power shows up, and we don't respond. We're so stuck in our stubbornness, in our fears. So he just collapses into a sleep, and he asks God to take his life. That's how bad it is for him. He's at the very end of depression, hopelessness, despondency. Now, it is important to point out that even in this extreme state, he still knows that his life is not his own that it belongs to God. That's why he asked God to take it. He will not take his own. Elijah collapses into sleep, asking God to take his life. God first shows up through his angel. Now, what's fascinating about this is we learn about the heart and the character of God here, and we learn about how he created us. Check this out. Look at what the angel doesn't do. Elijah is physically exhausted. He's emotionally gone. He's spiritually gone. He's just, just he's at the bottom What does the angel, angel, what the angel doesn't do, he doesn't wake up Elijah and give him a lecture. Oh, somebody say amen to that. How many times have we been down and people around us just want to give us that lecture? Well, you got this and this and this, and I've been through way worse than you, blah, 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 blah. Mm -mm. No, that's not what God does. He doesn't wake up Elijah and lead him into prayer or a Bible study. Oh, pastors just said that. I just said that. He does not wake him up and lead him into a prayer or Bible study. The angel appears and touches Elijah. And then cooks him a good meal. Somebody say amen to that. Okay, you know what I'm saying? Then the angel leads him even into more solitude, away from people, to journey to the mountain to be completely alone with God. At the mountain, then, God takes the role of a therapist. Did you notice this? Twice, God asks him the same question to help him talk out his pain. Now, what we learn in the Bible is when God asks us questions, he's not asking because he's trying to find information. He, don't need to, he knows. You know what I'm saying? He's not saying, hey, I don't know what's going on. Can you tell me? No. He asks the question so that Elijah will talk, talk out his pain. And then, of course, God leads him into a spiritual moment of prayer and hearing the voice of God and getting the clarity and direction that he needs. What an amazing God we have. Do you see all this? Do you see the multifaceted way that he relates to us? And it's because he's made us just diverse, rich, complex people. We we carry his DNA, and that requires a variety of care, for us to be restored on a regular basis, for us to live healthy, for us to live in alignment with God's heart for our lives and not in dysfunction or problems or pain. See, we learn here very clearly what the Scripture shows us all over the place. In so many ways, we get ourselves in trouble if we try to reduce ourselves to just one type of being. See, some of us will reduce ourselves us to just biological beings, so every problem we have is solved by a pill, by nutrition or exercise. Others will try to reduce us to purely psychological beings, so every problem we have is solved by therapy. Others will try to reduce us to spiritual beings, so every problem is solved by prayer and Bible study. In reality, we are integrated people. We are whole beings that are centered in the life and the love of Jesus as spiritual, psychological, and physical beings. It's all integrated. See, some of us are in chronic fatigue. We're always tired. We're irritated. We're depressed. We're, we're struggling. And some of it is because we're not sleeping on a regular basis we're eating foods that are causing physical reactions in our brain and our digestive systems that are keeping us in this place of irritation and fatigue some of us are hurting because we have not dealt with the trauma in our life we've shoved it down right and uh and and the difficult relationships we have and we're not in a caring community where we can talk it out and receive empathy and perspective instead of lecture and scoldings. Some people are hurting because they're not connected to Jesus. They're believing all these superstitious things about God, and they're living in sinful lives. They're not connected to the life source himself, and so they're just pursuing things for their physical bodies or their psychological needs. And some of us are hurting because all areas of life are not in a good place. To live our best lives, to grow into the purposes that God has created for us we are to care for all aspects of our being as God is doing here for Elijah. Now, I don't have time to talk or desire to talk about how to care for our physical bodies. Quite honestly, we are saturated in our culture with all this advice about how to, the pills to take and the, the way to eat and the exercise. I mean, it's just, it's an idol for so many people. It's just, right? There's lots of wisdom. Now, I have personally benefited from changes in eat, in what I eat and my sleep patterns. We, we, we should take that wisdom. I'm not able to talk about the psychological side of our beings today, although there'll be some touches on that. We're going to get into that into our next series when we talk about community in March, and I'm telling you, oh, show up in March, y'all, because we're going to talk about some crucial things that are going to help our psychological health. But today, we're going to focus on what can 1 Kings 19 teach us about how to be spiritually restored. You know what's so sad to me in so much of the American church is you'll go to church, And you'll actually hear more about physical health and psychological health and relational health than spiritual health. You're just told, read your Bibles and sing songs, but there's not this real formation. How do we live day-to-day where God is actually in our presence, where we are responding to the real living God day-to-day, where that film between us and the spiritual dimension is very thin? That's what we're going to talk about today. How do we... How do we live spiritually alive? How do we have God just be more in us and we love it? And how do we put ourselves in a place to be caught by this love of God, right? How can we live lives where it becomes normal for God to break through the film that keeps us blind to that spiritual dimension? For a month, we talked about the centrality of the Word of God as a means to experience Jesus breaking through the film to comfort us, to guide us, strengthen us, lead us. Last week we talked about musical worship as a powerful means to put our, sorry, two weeks ago, to put ourselves in a place where the hands of God can touch us, face and eyes. If you were with us two weeks ago, you know what I'm talking about, right? Today, through Elijah, what we see is how crucial it is for us to get times of solitude and silence, to put ourselves in a place to experience God and to hear from God. Now, solitude is when we put ourselves in a place where nobody is around. And as little as human noise is, is, is happening around us, no music, no screens, if we can be in nature that's even better, solitude, us and God, and that's it. Silence, no noise from us, we just listen. Now, some of you are like, get me out of here. If he's going to talk about that today, get me out of here. Solitude and silence. Think about it. Putting yourself in a place where there is nothing stimulating you. No music, no screens, no people. It's just you and God is probably the most needed of all spiritual disciplines and activities for modern-day Los Angelinos. And it's probably the one that is most difficult and troubling right next to fasting from food. (laughs) It's like, no, that's torture, right? Most of us cannot sit still and be still without something engaging our minds like music, movies, news, social media. Being alone with our mind can not only be difficult, it can be scary. We've had moments and we don't like what all of a sudden starts going on in our mind, and so we just want to keep it distracted from itself. Most of us have become addicts to always being stimulated or engaged. It is the culture that we have all been born in. I'm not talking about like our ethnic cultures. There's unique things we're born in. I'm talking about the modern day Los Angeles culture. We are almost all addicts to always having to have something engaging or stimulating us. I want you to step back. Think about what you do with your free time every day. I'm not talking about like when you've got like one to five hours, like you're not working, that kind of free time. I'm talking about even, I mean, think about that too, but I'm talking about throughout work or whatever, you've got five minutes of a break here, you've got 10 minutes here, you've got 20 minutes here, you're standing in line here. What do you do in those moments? I'm guessing it's something like this. This is I mean, right here. Boom. Boom. This right here. Hit the crap, baby. Hit it. Most of us have heard, right, that it's like what's going on in our brains when we do this is the same chemical reaction for people who use hard drugs. There is literally an addiction to this. Try it. Try one day without your phone. Ooh, baby. I know, pastor's getting crazy. It is hard to hear the voice of God and to experience his love and power when we are always so distracted, right? Just like deepening a relationship with a significant other or friend, if you're always looking at something else, if you're always engaged in something else and somebody's trying to talk to, you you are not going to be able to take in very much uh, what they're saying or what they're trying to give you in that moment, how many times have I sat down with romantic couples and, like, oh, we're fighting, and I realize it's like, just put the phone down. You know what I mean? I mean, it's funny. You know, I've got teenagers, okay, and, you know, teenagers on their phone, and I don't judge you all, teenagers. I got my own phone issues, but, you know, you teenagers, boy. I mean, it's, it's intense, okay, and sometimes I'm just so tempted. I'll, like, try to talk to one of my kids. You know, I'm starting to talk to them, and they, something happens on their phone, and I, I know what's going on. I'm just so tempted to just change the topic and just go crazy, talk crazy, like, yeah, you know, we're going to be homeless tomorrow, actually, uh, we're going to, and, and, and uh, I'm probably going to die in like three months. Yeah, mm-hmm, yeah, 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 mm-hmm. Not even, you know what I'm saying? How much more? Jesus is trying to break through that film. He loves us, and he's like, you're hurting. No, 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 don't go away, don't go away, I got more for you. People, 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 people. do something, do something. Watch something, watch something. He's like, no, 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 no. We're sick. And come on. Like I've said many times, we are all in recovery. It's just different, different problems. The first step in recovery: we got to own up our sickness. That's the first step. This is not a casual deal. I'm going to try to make a connection for you of how serious this is for the health of your life and your family and your relationships. I uh, presence. Presence. Being present is the foundation of intimacy, fully present. Right? I have a, a friend of mine, he was at a restaurant once, and he's you know with his buddy, and he notices the table next to him, three friends sit down, and from the moment they sat down, all three were on their phones, and he's realizing the food is coming, and nothing's changing. They're eating while they're on their phones. My friend's a very blunt person, and so he just drove them nuts, and so he finally reached over, and he goes, excuse me, I'm sorry to interrupt, but I got an offer for you. If you will all put your phones away and actually talk to each other for the rest of this time, I will pay for your ticket, all your meals. Now, I am sure they did not appreciate that intrusion, but they did want the free meal. So they did it. You know what I'm saying? Um, I don't think I would do that, but there's some universal truth in his bluntness. Being present is the first step towards truly hearing someone. So making choices to be 100% present with Jesus, that's the first step to hearing his voice to being touched by God himself to being restored and strengthened and made alive in our inner beings where we live our lives I want to give you some scenarios and I want you to I want as I describe them I want you to ask yourself what would happen if I did what the pastor is saying okay first scenario after work before you go home right or after the main whatever it is you're a student before you go home in the in the in the in between You stop at a park for 30 minutes. You walk through that park without any music in your ears and no phone at your disposal. 30 minutes. You and the park and God. What would happen to you if you did that? Second scenario. The last hour before you go to sleep, you decide to not be on the screen, no music, no conversation with whoever you're living with, and you sit in bed with a journal, something to write with, and you just write about your day to Jesus. God, Jesus, this is where I'm really thankful. This is a good part. This, this day, Parma Day sucked. This is, you know. What would happen to you if you did that? Third scenario: on your day off, you get up, you get a good breakfast and a nice cup of coffee because food is spiritual. Can I get an amen to that? That's what we see in this. You know what I'm saying? You go to the beach or you go to a park that has a little bit of a lake, a little bigger park, like Lincoln Park here. You got some ducks around. And before you get into your day off of fun and errands, you spend two to three hours sitting, walking, with nothing but a journal, maybe some scripture. What would happen to you if you did that? Fourth scenario, every three months, four times a year, you, let's say you have a traditional work schedule, so however this works in your week, your weekend hits Friday after work, you will not be on screen, music, you will not be doing anything except only be around the people in your life, and you will choose into intentional boredom until church service on Sunday, and then you will break that fast after church service on Sunday, four times a year. Some of you are like, just shut up right now. Some of you are like, just shut up, Okay? No planned activities, no house chores, you're in t- no entertainment, no news. You're intentionally bored an entire weekend of trying to listen to God through stillness and the people around you. Do you know that right up here in Sierra Madre, or you can go to Malibu if you want to go, there's a, a retreat center that the Catholics have built. Anybody can go to. You can do this. You can go Friday, pay some money. You've got a little room with just a bed, no TV, and there's a Bible, and they have grounds, you know, gardens a little chapel, and you bring your journal. They have food at mealtimes, and everybody's quiet. <laughs> if you want to do that, I'll help you get there, all right? Here we go. Now, what would happen? What would happen to you if you did these scenarios? Here's what I guess would happen to you. First scenario, 30 minutes walk from after your workday ends, before you go home, this is what's going to happen to you. You're going to start walking to the park, and your mind is going to just start going crazy. You're going to start thinking about, oh, I forgot to do this today. Oh, i got to do this. You're going to start a fantasy fight with the person you work with that you can't stand, and you're going to win that fantasy fight, of course. right? And then you're going to be like, oh, my gosh, i got to do this when I get home. Boom, boom, boom. And that's exactly what God wants to happen. He wants you to stop shoving all the stuff that's in there with music and screen and, and, and escape, and he wants you to vent it out with him and let it buzz, and let it go, because you're not going to feel like it's so spiritual in the midst of that walk, but then three hours later when you get home, here's what's going to happen. You're going to be like, wow, I feel a little more patient with my, my family. I got a little bit more joy and energy in my being today. What's that from? That's because you just spent 30 minutes getting all this junk out of your head in the park. And then you're gonna do it every day, and it's gonna be busy, and you're gonna start learning how to just give it intentionally to Jesus. You're gonna start buzzing about things. Jesus, I give you that. Jesus, help me with this. You're gonna say little breath prayers like, Jesus, save me. And then all of a sudden, about the 10th day, you're gonna be stopped in your tracks at the park because everything's gonna get clear, and you are gonna hear a voice from God, a conviction, an insight into all the problems you've been buzzing about for 10 days, and you're gonna stop, and your arms are gonna, the hair's gonna go up on your arms. You're gonna start to tear up because you realize, God has just spoken to me. That is what life is about. Could you endure 10 days of buzzing? Here's what's going to happen. If you tried an hour before you want to go to sleep, shut everything down and lay, get in bed, sit in bed with your journal. Here's what's going to happen. You won't even make it 10 minutes before you're knocked out sleeping. And that's exactly what God wants to happen. Because did we see from Elijah? Sleep is spiritual activity. Can I get an amen? Look at that. Okay? So I know you all are like, a pastor's really frustrating because he's telling me to go be bored. But I'm telling you that good food and good sleep is spiritual activity. But well, here's what could happen. If you see, here's what's gonna happen. If you if you don't fall asleep after a while, you're gonna sit in your bed and you're just gonna start feeling antsy. You're gonna just feel like, I got a little energy left. It's just an hour before I sleep. I wanna go watch a little bit more stuff. I wanna get on that. You're gonna feel a little restless. You're gonna start feeling bored and fidgety. And that is exactly what God wants you to feel because that is the detox process. It is literally the detox process. And if you stay with that day in and day out and you just surrender it to Jesus and you just write out, This is what I'm feeling. Why am I so restless? You'll start to all of a sudden begin to be comfortable with your own self. You know, when you hear in the moment, love yourself first, we don't know how to just be with ourselves. But what we realize in these moments, if we will endure, is we're never, ever alone. Ever. And then God starts to just, so, you know, my, my life, I take input all day long from people. I'm in meetings all day long, and I'm taking people's pain, and it, you know, bottles up. So I've had, I've had seasons of panic attacks at nighttime, and those are brutal. And those come out of the blue, and I've realized it's, it's all this stuff. So I've had to learn if I just go to the screen right till I go to bed, it's, I, I'll ignore it. But then as soon as I try to sleep, boom, it just blows up. And so I've got to end it early, and I've got to release prayers to Jesus. I just release this person to you and all that he's going through. You love him. I, I'm not a savior. You are. I release this relationship to you, right? I release these issues to you. And then, you know, what I've, been, you know what, what I've been falling to sleep with lately? Is I've just been falling to sleep with the breath prayer. This is what I'm praying these days is, thank you, Jesus. You love me. You love me, Jesus. You love me, Jesus. It's just what I need right now. Some days, man, I'm doing that for quite a while, and I'm really kind of starting to experience the love of God. I can feel the spirit in the room. Some days I say it twice, and I'm sleeping like a baby. It's all spiritual. Second scenario, I mean the third scenario, mm you spend the first two, three hours of your day off after that great breakfast and coffee before you get into all your fun and your errands at a park, at the beach, somewhere. Now now you've got a different kind of boredom and restlessness, don't you? Because it's not end-of-the-day boredom. It's beginning of the day. you got a lot of energy, and you're like, this is my day, and I want to go do stuff. And what happens if you will just give a couple hours, you walk around the park, you're going to get bored, you're going to get restless. But all of a sudden, if you endure it and you go through the detox process, you slow time down in your life, and when you slow time down, all of a sudden you can step back and you can start asking deeper questions about your life. This is the problem with us, is we just go from one thing to the next, and we have all these symptoms, we have all this dysfunction in our emotional being and our relationships, but we don't stop to just let God take us to the root, and so we can end these two hours on our day off or whatever, we can start to go, why am I so irritated this week? What is going on, Jesus? Help me figure this out. Why have I been so full of lust this week? What is going on? Then there's some days on your day off, you could go, what are the dreams that you want to give me for my life? I don't want to just be a a slave to whatever's happening. I want to be proactive. So God, what are the goals you're giving me? What did you make me for? You could start to vision and dream for your life. But it takes a willingness to detox. A little bit at a time. You know, what what often happens, one of the most common examples, especially if you can be present to your surroundings, to the nature around you, to the people that walk by, I have had what I call angels in these moments of solitude come up and start talking to me. And it's like, oh, my gosh, everything I was just talking about to God is being answered to this person. That's very rare. I've had it a couple times. But, I mean, I go home, I'm like, I'll do that again. (laughs) I'll go sit in solitude again. But sometimes it's as simple as I just start to notice the birds chirping. This is one of the most common things. And I just notice them. I never noticed them the other day, but now I'm still. And now I remember the words of Jesus when he says, hey, do you notice the birds? They don't store up food and they don't get all anxious about food because God takes care of them. Aren't you worth way more to God than the birds? So if he'll take care of the birds, won't he take care of you? And it's just like, let that go deeper. Like, you know what? I got problems, but God's got me. Right? This is what happens. I want to acknowledge here as I bring this home that for nursing mothers, uh, it's really almost impossible to get long chunks of solitude. For single parents with small children that aren't very independent, it's very hard. When you don't have another partner who will take shifts, you take the kids, well, I go get some solitude with Jesus. That's hard. I want to say that I've heard testimonies over the years of nursing mothers, single parents, who God has learned, has helped them learn how to experience Him with their children. There is. Remember, there's always more grace for God when people go through more suffering. God's just. So if you go through more suffering, he'll give you more grace. It can be small little moments. It might be five minutes here. Also, I want to acknowledge that solitude and silence is much more difficult the younger you are. You young adults, you teens in the room, it's really tough because you got so much dang energy. I am so jealous, you know, because I remember loving that energy. I was the kind of person, when I started following Jesus... My mentors would tell me about solitude and silence. I'd be like, oh, that's for you old people. (laughs) I'm like, I like ministry. I like loving people. I like praying with people. I like scripture study with people. I even told my mentor once, no, 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 no. I'm not taking a day in the park with God. I experience God when I'm going with him in people's pain. I'm going mock through with my hair on fire. And that's the joke for my mentor now. It's like, yeah, you went there. You went there. Your hair has been burned. You young folks that have all this energy, the primary call on your life and your life stage is to choose to surrender the energy to Jesus. Give your best energy to learning him in the scripture, being around other Christians and learning how to go deep with them. Worshiping with that energy and music, praying bold prayers, being bold out in the streets for God. That's what you're most, and go, you know, be strong with that. But I want to encourage you, where you can, try Small moments of solitude. Learn how to be comfortable with no noise. Just you and God. Learn how to do that. I'm going to bring the worship team up here. Some of us, we have unique personality types in this room, and we struggle a little bit more with solitude than others. I am one of those personality types. But we cannot let our personality type justify our lack of obedience and following the lead of the Scripture. See, a fascinating last insight from this text today is that, see, Elijah goes up to Mount Sinai and puts himself in a cave. And it says the Lord passes by with all this power, fire, wind, but he's not in that. See, the word for that cave there in the original manuscript, it's a very general word. It can easily mean cleft. And it takes us back to Exodus 33 when Moses asked to see the glory of God and God puts him in a cleft on this same mountain. So what's happening is, Elijah is trying to follow the model of Scripture. He's the model of the saints that have gone before him, right? And he puts himself in the same place that Moses was. And God responds, but then God causes all this wind, earthquake, and fire, but he's not in that. The earthquake, wind, and fire, they're all the same elements that all the people of God experienced before Elijah. And Elijah, like Moses, Job, they got all these power. And Elijah is a man of power. He just had fire rain down from heaven. But it's as if God is saying, I'll always respond when you follow the models of all the people that have gone before you. But I will speak and show up in your life in tons of different ways. I know what you need every time you come, Elijah. You cannot tame me or put me in the box. Today, you need the still small voice. Tomorrow, you may need some musical worship. Next week, a deep heartfelt talk with another believing friend. The next time, a power encounter. Don't try to box me in based on your personality type, your past experience of me, your age, your generation. All these things follow all the models that you learn from the saints of the past and the present. I'm God, you're not. You can't tame me, but I'm good and I'm trying to get through to you. See, our response should just simply be, I want to put the best energies of my life to living in the presence of God. It's what Moses said before he was in the cave. I will not go from this place till I have your presence. I cannot lead my life unless I have your presence. I cannot do my marriage unless I have your presence, God. I cannot be a mom or a dad unless I have your presence. I cannot deal with the sufferings of life unless I have your presence with me. We have to long for the presence of God more than we long for more money, more than we long for more entertainment, more than we long for anything else. And so if you do not long for the presence of God more than everything else, then the honest way to start in this moment of worship is saying, Jesus, help me long for your presence so much that I would be even willing to step into solitude and silence and deal with boredom and restlessness because I want to put myself in a place to be caught by you. Stand with me. Let's respond. We're going to take some time to worship. Obviously, we cannot enter into solitude right now. We can't do that when we're around each other. This is something I'm exhorting us to try to put into our lives over the next weeks and into our rhythm of life. But we can. the gift that God gives us when we gather to be in his presence, to hear him speak, is through worship and prayer. That is what we do. We're going to take some time to worship and pray. We're going to take some time to sing to God, to let him come and open up that, that go, break through that film. Some of our leaders will be on the sides over here, worshiping. That means you can come freely and get prayer. Some people might just come around and offer to pray for you. You can receive. We're not, Is it, we're family right now. Bring your tiredness. Bring your restlessness. Bring your pain to a good God who wants to heal.